brings him honor. That's what part of why we pray. And while we're in the series, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a powerful thing when we talk to God about God. Because it, the focus then becomes him instead of us. The focus then becomes him and not our problems. And the more he's the focus, the more our problems are put in per- perspective. So does that make sense? So we want to make, we really want Jesus to be lifted high uh, today. So let's, let's pray and we'll jump into some things. Holy Spirit, assist me and assist us as we herald Jesus, as we herald the Father, as we herald you. Help us to make much of you, God. Um, there is no salvation outside of Jesus. There is no other faith system or religion that works. The only one is one in which we abandon everything to follow a crucified God. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but we're so grateful that, you're, that it makes sense in your economy and your logic, Lord. So come, Lord, we know you're everywhere, but in a way that become a manifest presence, would you come? Would you come and would you speak through me? And the things that are just from me, God, unfortunately, as they come, Lord, would you just allow them to fall to the side? But the things that are Scripture and the things that expound on you, your character, and your story, God, may you highlight it in our lives. May you show each man, every woman, every student, every boy and girl that's in this, or even listen to this, and God, that you would illuminate yourself, that we would walk away seeing a bigger picture of you and a bigger picture of us and the world that we live in, and knowing that you're the hope for all of that, not us, God. So help us. I, I ask not just uh, out of hope, but in confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good morning, guys. Y'all doing pretty good? We got some pretty weather going on. It's still kind of cold, but everybody's hoping that for spring it's coming around the corner. Um, I'm pretty thrilled about it. Um, we, we're in the middle of this series on prayer. We're at the tail end of teaching on the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And I, as I was studying, as I was preparing for all of this, my intentions were to do all of verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the more I studied, the more I, I saw, you know what, God, we need to just center on the first part of that, on temptation. Uh, next week, pl- d- please don't miss next week, because we're going we're gonna to really, really get into who Satan is. Who was, who was Lucifer, and who became known as, as Satan. Um, and... Him as our enemy and ourself as our enemy. Um, and we're going to be go- getting deep into Ephesians 6 about the weapons of war that God has given to us. Uh, so it's, it's vital. I mean, if you, if you don't understand warfare, but yet you're studying prayer, you're going to miss a big picture, a big piece of, uh, of the puzzle there. But we're, uh, we're talking about temptation today, and, and this, this, these next two weeks really center around warfare and fighting. Um, I, was, I was really only in two fights growing up. The first one was in, in third grade. Um, it was, it was a, a kid from the neighborhood, and we didn't get along all that well. And uh, 
one day we, we got into it. I don't even remember what happened, but it was like, okay, meet me in the ditch on the other side of the school afterward, right? And so, and this is how it goes when two third grade boys are about to get into a fight. You're, you're dancing around like this. You say, you throw the first punch. No, you throw the first punch. No, no, you throw the first punch. No, 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 you throw the first punch. Really great. Well, finally, I, I mean, I, I finally took the first swing, and I punched him in the eye, and it was over. At least I thought it was over until my parents were called later on that afternoon. And uh, that's, when, that's when the fight really took place. Um, my second fight was, it was either sixth or seventh grade, and we were in home economics. How many of you men or guys had to take home, home economics, okay? Well, it was in the middle of this, uh, they, they were teaching us to sew dolls. And I'm like, come on, public education, what is your deal? Boys do not need to know how to sew dolls. You know, so we're already mad. I mean, there's already angst anyways among the, among the boys. And uh, so we're, we're sewing, a, sewing our dolls. And uh, we're done. And mine, mine looks like some, some horrible malfunctioning sock puppet. And uh, this other kid, though, he did this one. And it looked like something that you would buy in a case. I mean, he, he made like leather boots for his rock star and, and leather chest and all this. I was impressed that this guy did it. And so I, I picked it up to look at it, and I mean, I was, I was going to compliment the guy. Well, he comes over, shoves me, give me my doll back. You know, that's, that's how all fights between boys start, right? That phrase, give me my doll back. Well, give me my doll back, and I threw it at him, and I pushed him back, and we scuffled right in the middle right there, and it stops pretty quickly because then it was like, all right, meet you, meet you after school, right around the bush over there. And, uh, and so the, the hours go on, and, and all my friends, I mean, because I mean, I, I mean, I'm not a fighter. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't one of those, one of those kids, you know. And so my, my guys, man, they just rather, yeah, Dave, you're going to take him down because this was one of the creeps. This was one of the, he, he just really was a weirdo, you know, in school. He was a guy that got called names. There was one name he got called that... Um, it was Mongoloid. That was, that was unfortunately, his, his nickname. And, and I did not call him that until he shoved me and took the doll back. I called him uh, that name. And, and, uh, so we meet after school. And, um, and what I did not know about this guy is he was trained in boxing. Um, although I found it out pretty darn fast. And he tore me up because I didn't know how, I didn't know how to fight, didn't know how to defend myself. And uh, it, was, it was rough. Well, thankfully, thankful to God, I, we were on school grounds and a teacher comes around the corner and breaks up the fight before I die. And, uh, and so, unfortunately, it was, a teach, one of the te- my se- it was my second grade teacher who I respected so much, and she just was like, David, phew, you know, looking at me. And I just, I mean, I, I couldn't believe that I was getting called out for this. Uh, of course, I couldn't see her because of the blood. But... Um, <laughs> It was, it was rough. We, we both got suspended as a result of that. And I did, feel, I did feel really bad. I apologized later to the guy. Uh, we became friends. Never called him that name uh, again. And uh, um, we were friends through the rest of, of high school. But um, if, if you're, if you're going to fight, first of all, you, you, need to know, you need to know how to defend yourself, and you need to know how to swing. Um, and if you're in a fight, you better... You better be careful who you pick your fights with, you know, because if it's somebody that's way, 
more trained than you, they're, they're going to tear you up. And so every one of us needs to know that we are in a battle. Every morning that you wake up, you wake up, your bed, imagine your bed, just kind of these dream scenes, you kind of wake up and you're like out floating in a lake or out in a field or something. Imagine every day that when you wake up and open your eyes, your bed is on a battlefield where war is raging around you. Now, it doesn't seem that way when I wake up in the mornings. In fact, it's just so cozy in bed, so nice and warm, and you don't even, wanna, you don't even want your feet to hit the ground quite yet. It's like, oh, just snooze one more time. Boop, you know, nine more minutes. You know, I, w- I wish I could kill the person that created that snooze button. But, but still, you don't want to get out of bed because it's so comfortable. And you get out of there, you're sleepy, you know, you're rubbing the eye boogers out, out and, and, and you're, you're thinking... All right, it's, let's get rolling with the day. But lo and behold, we're in a battle. And it's going on around us. And we have an enemy that wants us dead. Wants us destroyed. At the very least, wants us hamstrung to where we're totally ineffective for the side that we're on. And so it's, it's serious stuff. Um, and my prayer for you, as well as myself, is that God opens the lids up a little wider today, and maybe a lot wider, to know that you have a target on, on your back. Uh, you have a bullseye. Um, our, who are our two biggest enemies? The way, that, the way that we live, a lot of the times, you would think, because of the way we live, that we, would, that we think our greatest enemies are the world, that is, the human condition, and uh, God, because we, we go, we look at look at stuff, and so we just start blaming. It's like, well, man, the world's just all messed up, and, and this, that, and the other. It's like it's a, you know, it's a, it's a world's it's the world's fault. The world stinks. But the truth of the matter is, many times in our lives, and it's not all the time, and 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 I hope that you're not there. I hope that you're not. I hope that you're living a victorious life in Christ right now. But chances are there may be some of you that right now, that in your life God is your enemy, at least, at least in your heart and in your soul. You may not even know that you think that. But in, in yourself, you're, you're kind of like, well, God, you made the world, so therefore the human condition's your fault. You made me. You know, I mean, I didn't break myself. You know, you made me and I'm broken and you're powerful enough to take care of all of the horrible things in this world. So God, it's, it's your fault. So those are the two primary enemies that, that we just have a, a default tendency to shift the blame to. It's the world, the human condition, and, and God. But the, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says our two biggest enemies are Satan and you. And when I say Satan, I'm using it in a very broad sense. I, I, I assure you of this. I am not godly or a holy or a powerful enough man of God that I am on Satan, the, the very only one Satan. I'm not on his hit list. So I'm not talking about that Satan himself, that he's omnipresent everywhere and that he's actually the one attacking to you. But he has an army of demons and we're going to get into that more next week. An army of demons that one of their best uh, techniques is to stay in the shadows to where you don't even know 
that they're around. Now, we're, we're not extremists here. We're not, we don't want to blame demons for everything either. I don't want to look around and just imagine that everything that bad happens, that it's because of a demon that's around the corner. Uh, we must know that there is another enemy, and that's, that's you. And it could even, could even be argued that perhaps you are a greater enemy to you than Satan himself. And we're going to get, get into that, especially Satan, uh, a lot more next week. Um, this, this is where we're, we're headed. We want to identify the enemies of Satan and you, and we want to identify and wield the weapons of war. Again, there's two phrases here, Matthew 6, 13. Lead us not into temptation, and the second is deliver us from evil. So let's, let's dive into leading us not into temptation. Tons of scripture. Some of these, I, I hope, will jump out at you, and, and you need to memorize them. So be looking. And if, and if just, I mean, there's going to be several that, that over time you'll want to memorize, but I challenge you to find one verse today that you say, you know what, I need, I need to commit that one to memory. I need to commit it today. Um, as, as I want to begin by defining temptation, and what's interesting is I was doing some research on this. Uh, I'd, never, I'd never heard what I was about to tell, what I'm about to tell you, that temptation is actually the opposite of testing. Temptation is the opposite of a test. A test is the process of proving one's worth. Um, I'm going to read to you just from a, a Bible dictionary. When ascribed to God and His dealings with people, it means that God tests His people's faith and their moral character. God promises He will test us. And it's, a, it's good for us. But when the word is used in a negative way, the antithesis, the opposite, it means to tempt, to entice, to solicit or to provoke sin. That's what temptation is. The enticement, the solicitation, or the provocation toward sin. And both senses of these words could be, you could see the vantage point in Jesus' uh, 40 days in the desert right after His, right after his baptism. I'm not going to get into it, but if you look, He stood strong under the, under the temptation of His enemy Satan. And He also stood strong in the testing that His Father brought to Him. So check that out later on if you, if you want want more, but, but we ask ourselves, it's like, well, okay, all right, well, that's temptation, and we're enticed, solicited, provoked towards sin. Where does it come from? Who, who can I blame for it? Who can I point to? I mean, again, it's like, I mean, God, you know, hello, you made everything. Temptation exists, you know, so isn't that on you? Um, well, uh, it's important it's important to note that as we get into this, that temptation is not sin. It's not. That when you're tempted to do something, even if it's something that you, you've fallen in all of your life, the temptation, the thought that goes through your mind, or, or even, even this, I mean, again, a temptation, it, temptation is more than just a thought. It's, it's a wooing and an enticement towards that. And, and when that happens... When that happens, that in of itself is not sin. At least, not yet. Not until it anchors and takes, takes root. Uh, let's take a look at James 1, starting verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast, that means unmoved, under trial. 
For, wit, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We're going to go a little bit further in this in just a second. But James, first of all, is telling us here, we can be victorious. You can remain steadfast under trial. All right? So must know that, and that also that if we live in the victory, there are blessings. There are blessings that we receive right here in the now. But also there are some blessings that will be eternal forever and ever that will be socked away, almost like a, buying a stock you know, long-term into a company. Um, verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. This is good theology that's being taught here by James, uh, revealing some things, first of all, about God, that God is pure, that God is unchangeable in His character, that He cannot even be tempted. God will never sin, but God will never even be tempted because he, he will always stay true to His character. And, and men, I, I challenge you to go deep in studying about who God is. We've, we've studied about, uh, we've seen earlier how studying the, uh, the names of God, that there, each one of those is a pathway, it's a doorway that opens up to view into God's character and to see who He is. And I, I, you know, go there, go deeper, find out who God is, realize it. And one of the greatest things about God is, uh, the term is immutability, which means He's unchangeable. He will never change. And so, again, there's some times in which, which you look and just say, well, okay, God, I don't quite understand this. I don't understand why you would do this or why you would allow this. But one of the, the, the most solid places to stand is to say, but God, I know I, I, I don't see from your perspective, and I trust you never change. You're not waffling back and forth. You're not, you're not being leveraged by an enemy and doing something that would go against your character. Um, and so what we, what we do as a result is we understand the sin itself is something that we need to own and not shift the blame. Verse 14 says, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Now what you'll note there is there's an internal part and there's an external part. There's an internal enemy and there's an external enemy. Okay, You're being enticed and you're being lured, that's external. You have an enemy that pushes, that pushes buttons. However, the thing is, is that they're pushing buttons that's within yourself. Within what we call the flesh. The old nature. The human nature that, that, we, that we have. Um, by our own desire. Uh, but see, again, the desire... The desire itself, um, in which it's uh, in, in our flesh, uh, in our human nature, in our old nature that we talk about, what we do is, is we're, we, our vantage point is about ourselves and how we can, how we can only find the best for us. Um, I've, I've, I've said it before, uh, Martin Luther, one of the greatest uh, illis- um, definitions of sin, sin is man turned inward upon himself. And that's, that's what this is talking about. We, we in, our, in ourselves, in, in our old heart, in our flesh, we turn inward 
So we, we have blurry vision. We don't, we don't see things properly. And, it's, and we're only looking at how we can, we can protect ourselves or provide for ourselves. And it's skewed. It doesn't work well. And so, these desires for us to be fulfilled, which we're looking at through our eyes instead of God's eyes, it says then that desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. Right? So temptation comes. It's, it's, it's do this. Look at this. Say this. And, and what, what happens is, is that it's, it's sin when we act upon it. However... It's sin before we act upon it too. There's, there's somewhere in there by which when the temptation comes, it, there's an opportunity for us, for us to, to fight against it, not through our power, but against the power of God, which again we'll talk about next week, um, or we give in to it, we surrender. And so as we surrender, the temptation becomes a thing to where then we anchor there, and we dwell there, and our heart remains there and it wants it wants that sin and so um, that's the reason why we can't just look at the outside jesus himself said said you know what you you say don't murder you know and, and you think that you're okay but you have hatred in your heart and that is murder it's the beginning of murder a heart of hatred or bitterness that's within you. He's saying, look, sin can reside in you even before it comes out of your mouth or through your actions. And so, we have to stop it. We have to, we have to, we have to come to that first point. And, and as we're praying, I mean, all this is about saying, God, how can I pray um, more biblically and more powerfully to where we need to say, God, give me the clarity to recognize the temptation and the courage to stand against it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't see it, you'll be slaughtered. Because you'll slip right into it. But, it, but it's by your volition, by your will, you choose it and you walk into it. So you say, Lord, please reveal it to me. Help me to see it. And then, God, help me to have the courage to walk in the strength. Did you notice I didn't say, give me the strength? I didn't say, for God to give you the strength. God gives the strength. God offers the strength. What we need is the courage to walk out the strength. The courage to claim the strength and to, to live it out rather than rejecting, rejecting the strength that He gives, gives to us. So when, when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. So therefore, the sin's there in our hearts, in our mouth, or in our actions. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Does this mean physical death? Sure. There's many times it's going to mean physical death. But do you know what is being talked about here? That when sin, when sin is fully grown, it brings destruction. We're all looking out for the best in us. We really are. We're, every one of you, you are fully committed to the best for you. It's puzzling. It's why in the world then would I have so many problems if I'm looking out for what is best? It's because you have a heart problem. We're going to get to that here in just a few minutes. But as we go forward into it, it brings destruction. Even though we're looking, we're looking to do what would be best for ourselves. 
when we give in to sin, it's something that not only destroys others around us, but it brings destruction to ourselves. And I, I love the next verse, which just says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And, and I'm gonna, I ask the Lord to help us, give us clarity to where we're not deceived. And we know, Lord, that we know where these are coming from, both from externally from an enemy, but also from an enemy that resides within us. Temptation um, could be described as dancing on the cliff. And what God wants us to do is He wants us to, to stay away from the cliff. When I, was <clears throat> when I was a teenager, and I was already a Christian, um, but I, I liked girls. In fact, I, I, I always liked girls. I never went through a yuck girl stage. Um, and, and so you're dating. You know, and one of, the, one of the questions that you start asking of yourself or asking of God or asking your, your, uh, you know, a pastor at church or, or a friend is like, well then, okay, how far is too far? You guys know what I'm talking about? How far is too far? How far can I take it physically in this relationship and still be okay? You know, the heart of that question is really saying, all right, there's a 200-foot drop-off to, to a bunch of rocks below. How close can I get to the edge without slipping off and dying? But we don't see that that's what we're really asking. How close can I get, God, to where it doesn't, it doesn't hurt me? You know, I'm, I'm a thrill seeker. I'm an adrenaline junkie, and I haven't done a whole lot of that in, in the last couple of years. But, man, I mean, I... I I love, I love taking risks um, to a fault. Uh, I, 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 love, I love the rush of adrenaline that comes. I mean, I did, I did free running before parkour was even established. My first, my first backflip uh, on the ground was in my backyard off of the, off of the uh, heat pump back there. And I remember, and this was when I was about 10, Standing on the AC unit back there, and I mean, I'd done them on trampolines and stuff like this, but I was, but, but you know, I, I had the desire to stand on a piece of metal and do a backflip towards the ground with my head spinning close to the metal, you know? Somebody pray for me, right? Um, but I remember, I remember, I remember standing on that thing, and, and you just, you're like, whoa, you know, and, and I mean, how's this going to work, you know? And I, and I remember I finally did it. And I, and I got up and I did it again and I did it again and I got to where I started running and I would I'd, I'd hit a brick wall and I'd do a backflip off of it and, and uh, you know and, and make sure your laces are, are tight by the way if you want to try that because one time I did it and my shoe slipped off and I just wham on the back uh, I mean on my back and uh, um, but I mean I've I've always I've always loved trying things that most people wouldn't try I, I remember when we lived in Virginia. We were at uh, the Peaks of Otter, which is a, a great hike, and we were all the way at the top. And um, I, I was there was this one area where there's all these rounded-off boulders, and, and I'm just leaping. Danielle's already laughing. We're leaping from boulder to I'm I'm leaping from boulder to boulder, and just you know, and, and y'all know what it's like when you get something excited and the adrenaline's going and you just go and go further and press it further, you know, and, and I'm jumping and jumping and jumping in the last one because I'm jumping down, you know, and rocks to where then I could, you know, I, then I could pull myself back up three, four feet, no big deal. Well, this last one I jumped, I jumped down and it was like seven feet down. And I was like, yeah, 
look around, I look up, look up behind me where I just jumped from, and I'm like, oh crap. And then, I mean, it just, I mean, because it's rounded off rocks that I can't, I can't jump high enough to get get something, you know, to do. And I'm like, oh man, this this stinks. And so I'm asking people, you know, come come help me, come help me, and they can't reach down far enough to get to me. And then the next is a drop off that's about that's about uh, about tw- 15, 20 feet down. You know, that's really the, my only option. I'm like, oh Lord, what have I done? You know, and, and, just, and you just hear your mom saying, look before you leap, Dave, you know. And I didn't so much of my life. And, uh, and I mean, I was like, oh, please, I don't, I don't want to have to call in the helicopters and the mountaineers and to be on TV for, for stupidity. And, uh, but they finally, they, they finally, I like, they were standing on each other's shoulders and reached up and got my ankle, you know, and I stood down there. We didn't collapse. I mean, it, it worked and, you know, um, but just stupid, stupid day. Uh, and, and, um, and that one, that one truly there was carelessness that, that was in there. But in general, carelessness is not my vice, but recklessness can be of, of jumping in before, before I've counted all the cops. And that's why it's been important to have level-minded level-headed people around me. Danielle is level-headed. And uh, to have other men in my life that, you know, if I'm, I'm just thinking of something that's crazy, and, and uh, it's, crazy's good sometimes. Um, I mean, you don't plant a church unless you can take some risks. But for folks to be able to say, no, hold on just a second, you know, wait a second. Let's, let's uh, look at this from different angles. Um, that, that's been something that is followed me and I'm not the same guy that I was 20 years ago but I still I still love I still love the rush um, and temptation you know will 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 find you will find the areas that you're careless because though you may not be reckless in that way there are areas in your life that you're blind to or that you purposely ignore and set to the side and those are the areas in which the greatest temptation is going to take place in your life. And it's, you're not blind to it. You know what it is. I mean, just analyze and look in your life and, and you, will, you will see it. The areas in which you continually fall. And there's games that we play as well with temptation. Um, I, I've, I've called this strategic ignorance where you place yourself near the cliff and maybe you don't move maybe you don't dance but there's times in which you get there and just kind of hope that a, a strong enough wind will come by and blow blow you over or maybe somebody walking by will bump you and you'll go over some of you uh, some of you have played those kind of games and it's after 10 p.m., and you're tired, you know. You start flipping through the channels. You go to the premium channels, HBO, Showtime, Skinamax. You know, you're not, you're not purposefully, you, you know, you're not mapping it out of, I'm, I know what I want to go see, and I know what it's going to be, but you, you're placing yourself on the Almost in a way, you, you, you've, you've kind of tried, you've tried to convince yourself 
that, well, if something happens, I didn't mean for it to happen. I didn't, it wasn't direct that I was doing that. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. You need to man up. You need to know that even if you don't go out and jump into the sin, that when you strategically place yourself knowing that sin may come and absolutely knock you over, you're responsible. You've done that. Internet's the, the same way. You know, it's, you, you start, start doing, you play games with the search engines. Well, I'm not going to go directly anywhere. But you know. You know the terms that you put in there. And you know what's going to pop up. You know what's going to happen. Stop playing those games. Those games will bring death. They're bringing death to you. But there's a great hope because God says we don't have to fall. Do you know, do you know that? Do you know that you don't have to fall? That is, if you're already a Christian, which the majority of the audience here is, and, and for those who are not Christians in here, you, do not, you don't even have the power of the Holy Spirit to protect you and to help you in this. But if you're a Christian and God lives within you, God has given you all the power to be victorious in all sin. Now, the beauty is God loves us, knows we're not going to be perfect here, and Jesus paid the price for it, but we still have the power. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. First of all, that's saying, the man or the woman who stands and says, I got it all under control, I will not fall. I am strong enough. I can deal with it. I won't fall. That, that Paul is telling us here, he's saying, first of all, if you're standing and, you, and your enthusiasm and your confidence is in yourself, you better take a look because you're about to fall right then. But, he goes further, he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. If you've not memorized verse 13, even 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians 10 right there, you need to. You need to know. And you need to tell yourself. Because chances are you may look and just say, well man, this keeps happening and, and it's just too strong. This temptation, this sin, this addiction in my life, it's just too strong. And God says, No! God says, you have too, too low of a view of my power and my sovereignty and too high of a view of sin and of yourself. And God says, switch the roles and have a smaller view of how powerful you think you are and a smaller view of how powerful you think temptation and sin is and a larger view of who I am. Because it doesn't matter what comes your way, you will have the power. To overcome it. And the reality of that is not because of you. But if you're a Christian, it's because God, the Holy Spirit, resides in you. And He will never sin. It's just a matter of who's in control at the moment of temptation. If you're in charge, and if you're living out of your strength, you will fall. But if the Holy Spirit's in charge, no matter 
how great the temptation is, no matter how big of an addiction or a vice it's been in your life, if the Holy Spirit is in charge, victory. Victory. It's assured. Do you know that, do you know that sin is a trust issue? Sin is a trust issue. It, it, always, it always has been. From the very first sin um, on earth, uh, as far as Adam and Eve, they had everything. They had everything. The only thing they didn't have was forbidden fruit. It's the only thing they didn't have. And for some reason, they, the minutiae, the minutiae of what they didn't have and couldn't experience, they took out a microscope and they focused all of their attention of what I don't have, what I don't have. And it's like, God's holding out on me. I don't know if I can trust Him. Does He really love me? Does He really have my best interest? Because if He did, surely He wouldn't keep me from this little thing over here. It's a trust issue. Every time. God says, He says, live in this way. And we say, no. Because I don't trust you. Every time you sin, that's what you're doing. So no. You're saying no because I, I trust myself more. I trust me. I trust, I trust my heart. I trust me and I trust others, but I don't trust God. And you know, you know what the world tells us? I mean, listen, listen to it. Listen, turn on the TV, watch movies, having conversation. In fact, look in the mirror sometimes and you'll hear it from yourself. Just trust your heart. Trust your go, go with your heart on issues. You know? You can, you can trust yourself, you know? It, it actually sounds good because I know that, that my perspective is, is that I'm committed to myself. I'm committed to health for myself. It's kind of like, well then, why is that such a big problem? Because our heart is corrupt. Our heart is full of sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things. Not just, I don't not, it's, it's deceitful over uh, 10% of the stuff out there or, or a, kind of a 50-50 thing out there saying above everything the human heart is deceitful and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know who can understand it? God does. He says further, I the Lord search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his, of his deeds. God wants us to know that our hearts, the heart we're born with, our nature, our flesh, is what, what it's called. It's, it's sick. It's desperately sick. It's deceitful above all things. But wait, Dave, don't, don't Christians have an, a new heart? We do. But, but we still battle with a dead old one that we lean upon. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But don't misunderstand that. Don't, don't think that it's a total trade-off to where, to where the, you've given away an old heart and all you have is a new heart. What God has given to us is He's given us a new heart. He's given us Himself. But there's a battle that takes place between a, the old heart, which is dead the power the slavery that we were that we had to this old deceived heart has been we've been released from it but that doesn't mean we can't play 
with that old dead heart. It doesn't mean that we can't fall in the same old ruts that that old heart has led us, led us into. We're a new creation because we have hope now. He has given us, he has given us a new heart, a new creation. The old nature is robbed of its power, but we still lean on the old nature. Galatians 5 says this, For I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. He's describing here what happened when we have a new heart, which he's referring to as you know, walking in the Spirit. It's, it's, that's, that's the connection here. Versus the flesh. What's, what's, he's deemed powerless. He's given us victory over it. But it still has effect in our life. And this is what happens. If you're led, but if you're led with the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence. Okay, this is what it looks like when... We're being led by an old dead heart. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Which was basically this junk drawer of like all the other stuff that destroys you and destroys people. That's what happens. When we're walking out of our old dead heart. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Listen. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You want to bring part of this into prayer when you're praying through the Lord's Prayer? Say, God, today, right now, I crucify my flesh. I, 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 I proclaim to you, you have freed me from the power of my old heart. And I don't want to walk in accordance to an old heart. So God, I, I proclaim that you've given me freedom from it. And so therefore, God, today, today, right now, in, in my heart and in my mind, I crucify I crucify my flesh. We get to a place where we say, if my heart or my mind tells me anything that doesn't, is not in alignment with the Word of God and the character of God, then I know that that's the flesh and I'm to crucify it. That, that worldview and those doubts, that we doubt them instead of doubting God and His Word. And we submit to God in His worldview. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm not, not going there, uh, but, but in it, there's a phrase in there that talks about how we see through a glass darkly. How, how we, we go to a mirror and we see ourselves and we walk away and we forget what we looked like. Because we see through a glass darkly. Which is basically saying, I've got a blurry perspective on all things, including myself. So if I, if I trust my, my old nature, I'm in trouble. God says, no, don't trust your heart. Follow my heart. Psalms 25, this is good, you guys. Psalm 25, 1 and 2 says, To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. O my God, in you I trust. 
Let not my enemies be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Psalm 31, 14-16 says, But I trust in You, O Lord. I say, You are my God. You know, that's, that's important. It's important to say, God, I trust in You. You're my God. And then we say, God, I don't want to trust in me, and I don't want to be my own God anymore. That on a daily basis, and, and more than that, that we say, God, I recognize right now I'm trusting in me and I'm being my own God. And I reject that by your power. God, I, I trust in you. You're my God. It says, my times are in your hand. That's still in Psalm 31. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Psalm 56, 3. This is one that our kids have memorized. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When temptation comes, when fears come, when doubts come, we say, you know what, God? No matter what, when those things come, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to bank there instead of in me. I put my trust in you. Psalm 143, verse 8 says, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. The more you trust God, the more you say, God, I, I want to go where you want me to go. I want to live life the way that you've designed it for me. I'm sick of doing it my own way. I'm sick, of tire- I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Because I, I keep pressing in, you know, in, in my own perspective. And it keeps failing me. And, and it's like, okay, God, I trust in You. Now show me, Lord. Make Your way known to me because I can't trust my own heart of flesh, but I can trust the new heart that You've given me that's in alignment with You. You need to be confident in God's ability to protect you. Here's a few other Scriptures to memorize or to just to meditate to be demolished and rebuilt by joshua 1 8 and 9 so the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success now that's not necessarily success in the world's eyes but it's what real of good success is the way God describes it. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you will go. That's Joshua 1 9. Take courage. Be strong and courageous because God is with you. Not because you got it figured out, but because God's got it figured out and He lives in you. Does this mean that bad things won't happen to me? No, not at all. In fact, we must know that bad things will continue to happen. John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take courage. I've overcome the world. Jesus is speaking that to us right now. It's like, man, it's going to be rough. Don't expect it to get easy. Don't expect it to be comfortable. But he's saying, but, but, but the courage that you need and the strength you need is, I've overcome the world and I'm with you. And if you're not a Christian in here and you know it, 
come to Jesus. And come to Him. You, have you fallen enough? You failed enough? Know that you can't do it? Man, just know that, man, there's a, there's a God that loves you so much that He died for you. And He's like, I have all the strength that you need and all the courage, but you can't have it if you're not mine. You must place your faith in me. You must surrender. We must trust God. We must wait for Him, and we will have the courage and strength. The last verse I want to give to you guys is Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In fact, interpreters have put exclamation points behind this. So really, you want to know what it should sound like? Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We need to do that. We need to wait for God with, with a confidence. Do you, know, do you know what I think one of the biggest, if not the biggest temptation is? To not trust God. If we don't trust God, we turn to other saviors, ourselves. We turn, we turn to sin. We, we turn to the things that even destroy us. And God's like, you know what? Be courageous because I'm with you. And take, take courage and wait for me. Just wait. Because I'm victorious and whatever I'm doing in the middle of this is for the greater glory and for the greater story. So, as we pray these things, praying for, praying the Lord's Prayer, pray, with a clar- pray for a clarity. Say, God, show me more and more how not to trust my old heart, my old dead heart that I've been released from. But God, show me where I am leaning back to my old heart and to my old ways and pray and pray for the, the confidence to know that God can be trusted. God, uh, we bow before you right now. And I pray, Lord, that you'll reveal to us, God, that we should never trust the old heart in us that... Never trust uh, our, our old heart that leads us away from you or away from your ways, God. But rather that we submit ourselves to, 